On February 20th of 2013, the world was shocked by video footage of snipers firing on protesters in Kiev, Ukraine. 21 people were murdered, and it was widely assumed that President Viktor Yanukovych and his supporters were behind the attacks. However, a phone conversation between EU foreign policy chief Kathy Ashton and Estonia's foreign minister Urmas Payet, which was leaked to the public on March 5th, reveals that the snipers were actually from the new coalition government, and that Western diplomats knew this and covered it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that he has some sort of, how to say, trust among all these Maidan people and, and civil society. And second, what was quite disturbing, the same Olga told that, well, all the evidence shows uh, that people who were killed by snipers from both sides, among policemen and, and people from the streets, that they were the same snipers killing people from both sides. Well, that, yeah. So that, and then she also showed me some photos. Uh, she said that has medical doctor. She can, you know, say that it is the same, same handwriting, the same type of bullets. And it's really disturbing that now the new, uh, new coalition that they don't want to investigate what exactly happened. So that there is now stronger and stronger understanding that behind snipers, they were, it was not Yanukovych, but it was somebody from the new coalition. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Monday, April 25th, 2022. No preamble today. We're going to destroy some propaganda. How about that? We're going to go through the the Ukraine discussion and we're going to just knock these things down left and right, Bucha and Mariupol. And, you know, I don't mean to be so certain about it. I shouldn't say certain about the fact that I know that I'm right in everything we're discussing, because I can always point out that there's things I can question, as we should. But whether or not they're lying about what they know and and the things they're putting forward as is there as if they're fact are unequivocally false. And we're going to show you this stuff that's being proven in the past. And now we have people like Eva Bartlett on the ground and in, in in Ukraine in general, going to multiple locations, continuing to challenge the narrative and show you what's really going on. Now, you should question what she's telling you, question what she's showing you, but compare that with what you're seeing on the other side. And I'll continue to do that again today. Show you how it's Ukraine says. Oh, the mayor of Mariupol told us this. Cool. Okay, there's some satellite imagery, but wait, we proved that you didn't have the image, the satellite in place to be able to do that. Oh, no one talked about that. Isn't that funny? Well, we're just going to skip right over that technical point that proves you weren't capable of it and just point at the images and say you're fake news. This is the back and forth we're seeing. I'm noticing really quickly, it looks like, which will make sure, okay, that looks good. The quality was okay. So we're going to go throughout today and just break it down for you and and start with a couple of quick points in regard to uh, one quick point on France and a couple points on Elon Musk. And then we're going to go right into it today. And most of it, most of what you're hearing in general, as you can see, the title is sort of a retort. You've heard this from me before in a couple of different angles, CIA, Azov Battalion, where it started. I mean, I've been really drilling this in and I'm sure you can tell because I believe this is one of the most important central parts of what's happening. I guess we are having a preamble. The point is we're going to show you, or rather that the title is a retort to sort of what they're pushing back on. As if we're just going, look at the Azov Battalion. Oh, there you go. That's all you need. That's never been what we're saying, and you know that. It's about that being a central part of it, but it's much bigger than 
the Azov Battalion is actually the Azov movement today that's completely immersed with the government and politics and police and everything. But there's also the right sector. It's also the Georgia Legion. It's also, which is the Azov's political group, the National Corps, which is part of the Azov movement. It's also Svoboda. There's a lot of stuff that's openly neo-Nazi, if not Nazi, in the Ukrainian government, right up to the top, guys. And yet, all they're going to say is, it's just the Azov. These people are conspiracy theorists. So we'll continue to bat this down because it's not difficult today. That's the crazy part. But start off with a couple of quick points. You might have seen this this. I, I actually pretty laughed out loud when I saw the development of the French election. Um, just remembering, let's remember France, or specifically the French president Macron, had one of the historic, I think it was, if not the, one of the most historic low, uh, um, not turnout, what's the number, term I'm looking for, num- number of support, the percentage of general support in the election. And this was before this election, obviously, this was leading up into it. And we made this point when they tried to point at Venezuela and say, well, he's got the lowest support of his percentage supporting of, of his people. He's got the lowest turnout for the election. Therefore, he's fake. And I said, well, that's interesting because let's look at the comparison of Macron. And guess what? His numbers were both shorter in both of them. So therefore, he's fake. No, I guess it's only one way logic. That's the kind of one of the points I'm making today in the larger part of the show, that it only works one way, their logic. Right. So if you're going, look at this guy's tattoo of a Nazi symbol on his back, that means all Russia's Nazis. Well, that would be pretty easy to play, to lay at the feet of the Oz of No, because you misunderstand that it's not what it looks like. And it's like, whoa, all this equivocation. It's just, that's childish, right? I mean, it's ridiculous. My point in there is to show you that I don't know how in the world anybody could look at this election and go, yeah, of course, Macron won. Of course, he, he it, after the yellow vest, I mean, look, I'm not going to try to guess. My, the bottom line is this is suspect. If I've ever seen a suspect election, I don't know. I'm not going to be like the U.S. government and call it a fake, broken, stolen election because I think that even though I probably would be an easy thing to prove or, you know, in sit, point at with all the evidence we can show about how these Western governments lie, cheat and steal every single time there's an election, all sides of the, of the whatever paradigm they have there. But I just think it's interesting. Macron wins one for democracy, <laughs> but guess what? The far right still looms. Isn't it funny how all these like di- dynamics around the Western world are all this like fight between democracy and the far right. And then you look into him and you're like, well, is she really far right? Is he really a, de- is he a democratic government? <laughs> well, no, like on both counts. So it's this false dichotomy. It's sort of like what we discussed with, uh, with Zuby's tweet the other day. Are there really actually climate deniers? Is that even exist? Or are you just labeling someone a climate denier because they don't agree with exactly what you think? And and that's one small point. But this is pretty obvious that they're trying to make this the reality in everything that's happening, even if it's not even close, even if nobody even buys it, even if what they're yelling at is a very small minority of extremes on either side of left and right. And the majority, the big, real majority who doesn't realize they're the majority doesn't really care, thinks they're ridiculous or, you know, maybe kind of wades in one way or the other, depending on certain policies. But they yell at that like we're all supposed to see that as the main fighting stage of everyone that matters. And it's not even real. I think we need to start recognizing that. But the truth is, they're not happy. Here's France. At least a lot of what I'm seeing is just like this. As the tag says, not happy in France. They know it was rigged. That's that's their commentary. But this is happening. (laughs) 
oh yeah, just that normal scene in France. You know, what, what happened? Did somebody not wear a mask? You know, probably. Or was it yellow vest when they were beating everybody up? You know, this is just how it looks in the normal democracies, except when they frame it on somewhere else, even when it looks less dangerous and less authoritarian, it's of course because they're bad fascist authoritarian country, which is all, it's just, I think all these governments are dangerous. I'm going to make this point again later too, about whether Russia is a fascist country, which is what they're trying to create in the context of Ukraine, which is very obvious because we keep telling you that's what they want to point at. They're the fascist Nazis. They're the ones, which is kind of like the mindless narrative that you'll see in the Twitterverse of the people that are completely tied into like the CNN narrative. Poots, Putin, Nazis, you keep seeing. It's just, I'm not even trying to suggest that's not even a valid thing. I'm just thinking it's ridiculous while you're literally doing, bending your mental gymnastics like I've never seen to try to make the odds of Italian not what they are. And then meanwhile, you're just calling that Putin Nazi because they say it. It's just so ridiculous to watch this play out. In any case, this is kind of, and I don't want this to be a left-right paradigm kind of a thing, even though it's obvious one side is far more kind of bought into certain things than the other. But again, you could kind of cross this over between different topics and different agendas, and you'll see it on all sides. I mean, the Twitter point we'll make in a moment is seemingly completely overtaken the right. The And again, I don't mean the majority of people that identify as conservative. When I say the right and the left, that's the fake majority. What they what the Western press wants you to think is the full picture when it's really extremes on either side. I think a lot of liberals and a lot of conservatives are in that middle ground somewhere and sort of identify one way or the other. This is just my opinion, but this is the extreme side of it, the fake dichotomy, right? So here is what I think. We need to see this transition. It really does show you the false nature of both what they're selling and the lost souls and the slim minority that buy into it. This is obviously meant to be a crack at the liberals, but it goes both ways. In this case, it's just about them and, and the Ukraine situation. But moments ago, as it says, a few, it says borders are fake and anything resembling national pride is racist. Now, let's not pretend, even if you're in on this camp, let's not pretend like that was not exactly where they were when it was pointed at Trump. Right? Trump, bad guy. Trump did it. Or conservatives are the only evil thing in the world. Like it's all because all fascist and white supremacy and all. It was all aimed at the conservatives and the Trumps of the world. Borders are fake and anything resembling national pride is racist. Now, come on, that's obvious. The whole thing with the border wall and no, no, it's not real. People should be able to flow. And, and of course, the national pride. And look, my opinions are all over the place in this regard, but national pride is racist. Well, of course, because he's a nationalist, when Trump was all about America first, and how dare you? And then, okay, a few moments later, <laughs> transition over to now ukraine sovereignty go back to russia ukraine the Yazovs aren't real nazis it's just this ridiculous transition to where now all of a sudden okay the Yazovs, even if you don't want to call them neo-nazis or nazis they're aggressively nationalists they're screaming about how that is the i mean even to the point to where their open doc discussions directly with the media are saying that they're liberal is a bad thing no we're not democrats we're not liberals we're national like call saying that's the absolute opposite of what they want these people are literally calling Zelensky a good Democrat as they go. Ha, you guys are ridiculous. You're not the answer. In fact, you're our enemy. Like they're openly saying this stuff. It's I just showed it on the last show. So they're believing what they're painting for them as the reality, not what's really happening in Ukraine, not what's really going on. And that does not mean Russia good. It just simply means that there's lies, just like with COVID. They were believing what they told them the science said, not what it actually said. And please do not think this is just about one side of the false paradigm. Because do not forget how much the false right or whatever you want to call it, the conservatives were completely taken in a large degree too by the vax, by Trump's and his vaccine and Operation Warp Speed. It all happens back and forth, and we never want to point it out in ourselves. Here's another one. 
This one's more broad about all of it. Marie Oaks points out things change in incredible ways with a little bit of time. 2012 compared to 2022. Now just we'll just start with the COVID relation. Right? Now let's not let's not ignore the fact that you moments ago, these same people, and we all made this point. Whether it was war related or like this, okay, you know, corporations are bad, far as Pfizer bad, big pharma bad, which most people were happy to say at a time when it wasn't the focus. But of course, you know, you could see a lean one way or the other. Corporate, you know, usually in the historic context, corporations are good on the Republican side, right? Okay, so 2022, it's like the pictures were ridiculous for people in the in the podcast wearing a mask with a QR code in your forehead with three shots in your head. I mean, how do you do that? Social engineering. You literally changed you like diametric opposite, like 180, literally pointing the other direction. And yet they think they're the same thing because what they did is they warped what they thought they believed in into what is happening now. But if you really look from now to then, you're like, whoa, this is a completely different world. But incremental changes, slow, step by step. They push you until you push back and they wait. Then they begin to push again once you fall back into comfortable spot. And then they wait. And 2027, no, 2017 comes along and you wait, okay, and you push back. And then 2018, they push again and slowly move you. And then one, one moment, you wake up one moment, you're like, look how we're, we're not even the same place anymore. That's how that works. They do it slowly. Boiling frog, totalitarian tiptoe. Here is, same point. Halliburton bad, no new wars. Yay, Ukraine. Well, of course, because in their minds, they don't see it as that. They see it as... Of course, because they ignore that there was an an overt, obvious, one of the most obvious regime change coups in history. That's not my opinion, guys. That's just around the world. Of course, outside of the Western media-controlled U.S. perspective, but that's the reality, as I played the clip in the very beginning. Even the people in Estonia and even the U.S. government admitted on that call, yeah, uh, yeah, we know, <laughs> Shh, quiet, don't say that. You know, it's obvious. They shot people. They blamed it on the other side, just like in Syria, just like in Iraq, like anywhere else you point. But today, yay, war, because bad guy Russia. 2012, Occupy, corporate greed. And then the Joe, I haven't even talked about this topic, but it's really absurd. I posted a couple of clip links out there, people that might want to see it about the, you know, no, it's okay that Disney can basically run as its own government. No big deal, despite the fact that there's really disgusting, horrific things that have always been associated with the Disney Corporation. And it's not something that should even be taboo because it's verifiable not in their context of the political situation they're in. So fake news, if it goes, in, that's how this goes. I posted them a while back to check my Twitter feed in, in regard to Walt Disney himself as an elitist occultist with some really weird and creepy background or the obvious and ongoing never. I mean, it's on the surface guys of Disney being associated with some really horrific pedophilic, manipulative child stuff. I mean, this is just, I mean, the fact that we even quibble about this today with an Epstein situation is beyond me. But again, check my Twitter feed. I could do a whole show about that background. But the interesting part about it is, is now you're defending corporate interests. Like, how does that even make sense? But it's because of social engineering. It's not hard to see. And this brings us to a point about Ukraine, which is what's happening now. It's not just Ukraine, right? It's not just any one situation. It is the reality of how your government and really any government has been lying to you your entire life. To achieve what it wants from you. Even if you believe that's in your best interest. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day. Your government is trying to manipulate you as a means to an end. Whether you want you to be happy or sad or scared or, comp or content. It's all leading in a the direction they want you to go. Now you may think that's pessimistic. Or what's another word? 
better word than pessimistic, just, you know, jaded. You know, it may be. It's still actually the reality of your past. Because that's pretty obvious to see. You could prove this stuff. Now, whether you think they did it for your interest is up for you to decide. But you can't ignore what happened in Iraq. You can't ignore what happened in Afghanistan. You can't ignore the open slave market in Libya. You can't ignore all of the obvious things of verifiable cluster bomb use, of verifiable chemical weapons use, of verifiable torture, of verifiable human rights abuses over and over, of Human Rights Watch, of Amnesty International. And you just keep skipping one stone to the next. Now, yes, you could do the same things in other governments, but that's not the point right now. The point is to whether or not you're being lied to by your government. Now, of course, this is me speaking as an American, but as Caitlin Johnstone, as an Australian points out, false, false and false. It's not hard to see this stuff. Biden tweets whether he I I don't even think this. I mean, why we would ever I don't believe I think Biden is just let's let's put it this way. He didn't even type that. (laughs) Biden's not even involved in this process. Let's make that clear, in my opinion. The whoever is controlling the account types two months after Putin launched an unprovoked, unjustified attack. Again, I don't even care if you actually think. Well, I mean, let's put it this way. I mean, the bottom line is if you believe that Russia is in the wrong, which I, I could add to that on my side of it. I believe there's plenty of things. I think war is I think there's other ways this could have gone. I don't agree with war ever, but I do honestly recognize how this has been driven into reality. And anybody else who's honest with themselves can. You can scream Russia, bad guy, Putin, Nazis, everything you want. But you still also have to say, but yes, the U.S. government drove this into reality because they did. Because you're a child if you can't acknowledge those very glaring realities. It's right in front of you, how they continue to push up to the border. And you could say, well, they did it because of this. That's fine. Add your add your context to it. It doesn't change the fact that they kept doing things that kept crossing red lines, that kept driving into reality, even if Putin was going tit for tat. So they wrote, it's not unprovoked. Their words have meaning. Flying jets off their border. Continuing to arm the people that they think are bad guys. And they are bad guys. I mean, discussing the Azov Italian's goal of becoming a nuclear power. Excuse me, the Azov movement, which is what I need to keep calling it. It's not just a battalion. It is an entire movement that actually has listed on the ones I'll show you today as having an agenda of becoming a nuclear power and in fact taking over Europe. That's exactly right now what they state in their paperwork. But yeah, we're all crazy because we're fighting against Russia until they turn on you and recognize how they're openly right now saying that your ideology is gross and they don't believe in it, but you're going, yay, I stand with Ukraine and funding their action against you. I mean, this is the kind of counterintuitive thing that gets spun. They have you believing you're fighting for freedom. You are arming the very thing that's fighting against your freedom. Now, I don't mean that as fighting against Russia. That's just their ideology, whatever they're aimed at. Now it says, of course, Kiev still stands, which that is meaningless because one, he gets, I've said this every time, even, even uh, General Colonel McGregor said the same thing. He had never had intentions to go there. He has very clearly done what he said he was going to do. Now, you can disagree because he was on Fox News, because, of course, he's a white Nazi, white fascist extremist because he's on Fox News. Whatever ridiculous narrative you want to spin, because, you know, the other side, the other half of the country. The bottom line is he is a colonel. He does have background. And, yes, he has politics like anybody else. But plenty of other people have made the same point. Even Turkey came out, or Kavasulu is what his name, finally got his name right, comes out and says they're doing it to hurt Russia. Okay, they're just trying to continue to sell you on this. Even the media came out and said, well, we don't even have good intelligence if we want to float against the information war and yell things at you to sell our narrative. Paraphrasing. (laughs) 
So why do we even believe what he has to say? President Zelensky and his democratically elected government. I mean, really? I mean, for crying out loud, the other half of that clip I played in the beginning is Newland on the record saying who they're going to put in positions. I mean, this stuff just couldn't be any more obviously dishonest. And again, Biden or the person typing this probably doesn't even know that. It doesn't even matter. We will continue to support Ukrainians in their fight. Who's supporting Ukrainians? Everything they're doing is hurting Ukraine. Everything. Whether or not you even believe they're on the right to push back against Russia. Every single thing they're doing is prolonging the suffering of the Ukrainians on the ground. You can't just keep saying, but if Russia does has control this, what, the hypothetical thing you're pointing at? You couldn't possibly know that just because you know Russia's playbook. It's all subjective. The bottom line is you are prolonging the war that hurts people. And even a funnier point, I'm not even going to get into it today. Remember the idea of them running out of bullets? Well, guess who's actually running out of bullets and guns? Ukraine. Isn't it funny how they're just projecting? That's most of what's happening here today. So the point was, they're dumping the money and the guns and the support in there to the neo-Nazis on the ground, and they're continuing to hurt people. Whether it's because they are actually hurting people, which I've proven, or because it just prolongs the endless inevitable inevitability. And they know that, guys. That's why they've always wanted their prolonged endless insurgency which is what they said. So yes, it's all false. Now, EU has launched new laws for giant tech, giant uh, new control over our flow of information, right? We've already talked about this. The DSA, the Digital Services Act. Now, I just wanted to throw, throw this out in the beginning because this is happening right now, guys, in every place you can look, whether they're stating it or not, whether they've initiated policy or not. In this country right now, I've never seen it more manipulated. I mean, look, what's interesting, I keep pointing this out. I'm seeing a grow. I think it's actually pretty obvious why, an, an increase steadily of all of our content, whether it's on BitChute or Odyssey or whatever else, I'm seeing the video numbers go up. Weirdly enough, almost complete and exact inversely, the traffic on the website going down. As you can ask off, off Guardian or BitChute or anybody else, our links are labeled as dangerous, right? So half the people that go on are told, oh, it's dangerous. You're going to steal your identity which is blatantly false. They know that. They don't care because they're dishonest inherently. But that affects the traffic. So too does the, uh, the, 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 how fast it loads or whether you're blocked or any number of things that are happening. So it's interesting to see. So my point is they are trying to come after information that challenges their narrative in every possible way. The Digital Services Act is simply a way to create the pressure on the companies themselves to do what they're already doing. And they frame it as the opposite, just like Trump did, by the way. Don't forget about how he was pushing this exact concept. I forget what it was. Um, uh, blanking on the term now. Article something. I forget. The point was it's the same thing. By pretending you're going to pressure them to to take responsibility for what's in the, all it does is increase their pressure and and gives them escape uh, an excuse. They're going to say, well, we don't want to be accountable, so we're going to censor even more than before. That is what's planned. Let alone that's what's going to happen. Because if they're left to be accountable for whatever, they're going to censor far more than now just to be safe. And that's the illusion. It's going to be them censoring the same things they're doing now, but with a legal cover. And even more so, not just now, even more so. Google, Meta, Amazon, and more face these new regulations in Europe. And here is, as Max Headroom points out, uh, von der Leyen, Ursula, World Economic Forum, and and uh, the, uh, shoot, I'm blanking on, hold on. EU Commission, that's right. I was going to say Europe, but EU Commission. Today's agreement on the DSA is historic. Our new rules will protect users online, ensure freedom of expression, and opportunities for businesses. What is illegal offline will effectively be illegal online. 
So basically the point is that that may sound like a common sense thing, except well, suddenly now we're wa- wrapping in all of their social justice kind of well, hate speech and all the different, it's going to create a situation where they can just broadly do whatever they want at any time. If the government says bad, we all see this coming It is leading in the absolute wrong direction, glaring overreach into our social media privacy. You're not allowed to, and this, of course, all centers around the digital ID, all of it. Every single thing that they're building requires the, the digital ID to be able to engage. That is a big po- a point of this, guys, and it's dangerous. Section 230. Thank you, Doom. That's important. As all this stuff comes together, guys, we're being attacked from a thousand different angles while they're keeping you distracted. Oh, and by the way, just tried to post on Truth Social because I finally got accepted on that platform. Look at what's happening. By the way, I could post other things. Weirdly enough, I couldn't post my post on truth.social. And that is Trump's platform. Your truth doesn't post. Please try again. Okay. Change it. Post again. Your poo doesn't, doesn't post. Try again. Right? Test goes right through. What do you know? Of course, I can't show you because for whatever reason they don't allow it. You have to have the app downloaded. Screw that. I'm not going to download it on my computer. But I can't speak to whether that's a glitch or not. But just like with Getter, I was very quickly censored until I forced them with other people's help to allow us to keep going. And they go, oh, well, sorry, it was a that other guy was admitted to. The point is, these things are not about your this is a partisan manipulation, guys. It's not about actual truth. It's about things that fall in line with the right leaning manipulative truth or perception or narrative. Because they're going to censor things that don't align with it. Now. The Musk conversation is very obviously relevant because it is manipulative. I personally think it's an obvious manipulation. Obviously. Because it's just a two-party thing, guys. The way they've broken this down is so clear to me. Now, I'll jump right ahead and let you know that apparently it has gone through. And Musk has apparently bought Twitter. I'll show you that in the end. But if let's just say hypothetically. Same thing I said about Trump. I'll say it again right now. I think it's childishly ridiculous to pretend that Elon Musk is going to do anything that will actually translate into changing anything regarding censorship, free speech, even in regard to Twitter. I promise you we are going to see change. Change does not always translate into good. (laughs) It really, at the end of the day, doesn't even translate into anything different, right? They're just going to change. So I get this a little confusing, but they'll change things, but it will be the same situation in my opinion. Yeah, we're going to say a lot of stuff. We're going to do a lot of things. We're going to say, you know, we're going to be transparent about this or that. Why are we trusting it? Guarantee they're not going to show you the real back end and then break it down for you. Anyway, the bottom line is it's been framed as a partisan back and forth since the moment this started. If Jeff Bezos can own Washington Post and Elon Musk can own Twitter, right? Left versus right, right? Because Bezos is left. He can own that thing. So our guy on the right can own it too. Okay. This is just child level. This is ridiculous. It's all about left versus right. They're desperate to keep you in this illusion. Here's the Epoch Times. Elon Musk rebuffs Bill Gates' climate philanthropy request and scathing text. That's kind of what kicked a lot of this off, right? Where this whole thing about shorting Tesla and he got mad and then Gates and him are going back. So now it's Gates versus, you know, that's where this is the, they keep doing this. And here's what I said today with my image of Team Jacob and Team Edward, like like Twilight making fun of it, the powers that shouldn't be often reduce our real-world issues down to childlike divisions meant to siphon our energy into meaningless partisan debates, where we are tricked into defending a side that, in fact, could not care less about what you think you are fighting for. I say a side like that because I don't think there are the different sides. 
And down here, I just said, for those who didn't catch the reference, my point is that this is a ridiculous oversimplification meant to redirect our conversation. What was moments ago, Will Smith versus Chris Rock is now Gates versus Musk. What will it be tomorrow? And what will be what will that be distracting us from then? Right. So, I mean, it's just so it seems so simple to me. I could be wrong, but I do ultimately think. That there's something that even if you believe that there, like even just anytime we are focused in on something like this, we're missing the bigger picture. Like even to believe, even if Musk was trying to fight for you, there's much more to look at than just these two people or any two people or any three people. It's a much bigger situation, but yet this is be overtaken much of the conversation. Now here, Musk says right before it just happened. I hope that even my worst critics remain on Twitter because that is what free speech means. I mean, really, you believe that this person believes in free speech with all the stuff in the past. I mean, even if he does, his past actions and current objectives, whether brain machine interface and the World Dynamic Forum and everything else we've talked about just don't align with what they keep talking about. Now, here's James Melville setting the bluebird free. Right. Because it's as simple as that, right? If you're if you're six years old, here's what's happening, guys. He's going to let it free. <laughs> it's just it's it's remedial. Yeah, look, I mean, exactly, right? I mean, come on, I didn't even see this before. These people are not on your side. Now, not just because of this picture, but because of how obviously that there's more going on here. Now, of course, Twitter has been sold to Elon Musk, according to this closed TV, that and will go private after agreeing to a deal worth $44 billion. Okay, so is this what you want? Like, okay, imagine, imagine if it was... By Joe Biden, they bought it. Imagine Joe Biden bought this and made it go private. Well, the conservatives would lose their minds, and rightly so. They would be upset. But now that it's Musk, you're going, yay, we won, though, right? Now think of the Trump versus Obama conversation. Did you win? You sure thought you did. And you sure as hell went quiet with things that you should have been screaming about because Trump was in power. So now when this goes private, which nobody should be cheering on, because even he, as I'll show you next, is framing Twitter, as we all kind of look at, as this this town square. So why would that be something that would go private and controlled quietly? Like, even if he pretends pretends to be transparent. Now, I'm not saying I want the government to own this either, but the way that this should be going forward is, I mean... What if this is just sort of a dark horse situation where he is very clearly tapped into something else and just making it look like he, like it just blows my mind that we're willing to walk so blindly into this kind of situation because it was framed for us by the people that are actively fighting against your free speech. Who do you think framed this as Musk versus the, I mean, left versus right? The very people attacking your free speech right now. But again, if I'm wrong and he fr- makes this all the best thing in the world, and it's, it's some pillar of free speech. And literally, then I, I will happily stand up and say I was wrong. Just like I said about Trump. I just don't think that's going to happen. Now, going back a step to, to the 14th. Here's what, this is my point. This is the childlike remedial breakdown. If the game is fair, Elon will buy Twitter. Period. Well, if the game is rigged, there will be some reason why he won't be able to. Now, to a small if that wasn't the only ba- breakdown, there, yeah, there's some truth to this. We're about to find out how deep the corruption goes. And Musk says, indeed. Well, I will argue that it hasn't. I don't think he's actually technically officially bought Twitter yet. And you know what? Maybe something will happen and maybe that tweet will be more relevant than I think. But it seems he's buying it. 
So what does that mean? Does that mean that you're that it's not corrupt? Simple as that. I bought it, so therefore it's not corrupt. Well, it's not as simple as that, is it? So why do they give you the simplified breakdowns? This because they want you thinking like this. I'm just saying they generally, just I'm saying why in a general sense, we see these kind of breakdowns because people that whether they realize it or not, part of the manipulation are break are binary breaking it down for you. But even that tweet right now, we can realize isn't accurate, even if he says indeed, because if he wins, we're going to still think it's corrupt, whether he's in control or not, because it is. Or if you, well, of course, if he loses, it'll be rigged for sure. Without what, with what, what proof do we have? It's just, this is the kind of nonsensical thing we see. Then even better, this all of a sudden is everywhere. All this stuff about his apartheid white nationalist past. What do you know? He's now the darling of the right. Well, of course he's a white nationalist. Of course he's a fascist, conservative, neo-Nazi. Oh, we didn't go there yet. I mean, who else keeps seeing this obvious clumsy connection? Now, I know some people can't really piece it together in their minds, whether from COVID or from Ukraine or the whole CIA manipulation. I honestly, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it does not come to pass. I hope that we've exposed it enough to where they shift their direction. Because what seems to be being built is horrifyingly alarming to me. Because, you know, I will be framed as exactly what they're building. I know that. And that's concerning. But look at this. At its root, Sean King says, Sean King being a uh, a nothing, I don't know, a lot of followers, one million. I forget who this person is. I've seen his name referenced before. Give me in the chat if you guys let people know who he is. He says, at its root, Elon Musk wanting to purchase Twitter is not about left versus right which is kind of funny, right? That's what I'm saying, but that's what they're framing it as, but here's where he goes with it. It's about white power. Now, I'm not making this up. For those in the podcast, he literally just went there. Just white power. The man was raised in apartheid by a white nationalist. Yeah, but of course, if you if you talk about how Human Rights Watch, Beth Salem, Amnesty International, and literally every other Human Rights Watch group or, or human rights group that you could point at is calling Israel apartheid state. He'd be like, you're a racist. <laughs> okay. But he was raised in apartheid by white nationalists. Therefore he's a racist. He's upset that Twitter won't allow white nationalists to target, harass people. That's his definition of free speech. Where is this even coming from? You see my point? They're allowed to make these grasping, subjective statements, whether you're media, government, but of course, if we literally point to verifiable information, we're being censored right now on every platform because it challenges what they say is happening in Ukraine. Now, if you see that as a left versus right point, you're missing the big picture. Yes, it's predominantly one side doing this, but it always goes back and forth. This is interesting to me. He goes on to say, Elon Musk has openly called himself a free speech ab absolutist. He said that he wants to create a space where anything can be said about anyone. That's why white nationalists are giddy today. Oh, is that why? So Sean King is literally pretending to know what what Elon thinks, what his intentions are, and then how white nationalists feel today because of what he said. This guy should be laughed off the internet. This is the this is the the current status of most of the Western media. Why in the world are we supposed to take your perception of their feelings at face value? That's just stupid. That's bad journalism. That's just that's that is dangerous misinformation. However you want to frame it, like they do. It's dangerous here on Twitter and other platforms that I track daily. He says, and listen, I don't even like the Democratic Party. Yeah, right. So for me, this is, isn't about left versus right. Not at all. It's about how the richest man in the world, the son of apartheid, raised by a white nationalist, wants to be sure his speech and that of other white men isn't censored. This is, and everyone's going to eat this up. 
even if, I mean, look, even if it's true that, I mean, the background in general, which I, frankly is, you could, this is the kind of thing that always happens. Does it mean that he doesn't like free speech because of where he was raised? How can you possibly know that? Look at his actions. And I just, I agree. I don't believe he cares about this. My point is about instead of framing it as the obvious government elitist uh, uh, oligarchic manipulations, he's framing it as it's because he's a white nationalist, he's a racist, and he wants other white right nationalist racists to be able to speak. There's your left-right paradigm. He is literally pitting this in exactly the paradigm he pretends he's fighting against. That's not even that clever. I mean, it's just on its surface because the whole thing is about democracy versus fascism. That's how they're framing this today. <laughs> this is just pretty funny. Hey, how do you do, fellow black people? <laughs> that's the, anyway, <laughs> I just think that's a funny meme because it's what he said. I mean, it's just insulting. It's insulting to your intelligence. But this, please do not miss it, is how they're couching everything back, in my opinion, about how this is meant to go. The whole thing. Just generally the January 6th failed false flag meant to blame Russia and you using the CIA-grown extremists in Ukraine. Now, as somebody else points out here in this, uh, uh, Video from YouTube, I believe, I forget the date on it, was from April 14th, 2022. So not that long ago, right before this happened. And she's just saying, six minutes in, I'm convinced that this person was right. Elon wants Twitter to help develop a real AI, and he's not going to stop until he gets it. Now, what's interesting to me, and this is exactly what Whitney and I were talking about, right? How they've repeatedly failed, and that's what he speaks on, to actually map the brain, to actually get a real functional AI, have, you know, the, the singularity situation. They failed. That's one reason why I was very concerned about what I thought they were doing with the broad worldwide experiment with these injections, if that's what you believe is happening. There's a lot of evidence for the nanotechnology and the different things that were tested on certain groups and whether they were just doing like a real world sort of, you know, uh, meshing thing where they could interconnect these different. There's a lot of evidence around this, around what was inside some of these things, about what they've tested before, around their scientific research right up until it started, about sort of having this kind of interconnected, like we talked about the ferret and magneto, magnetic injections, about how that can control people's brains. That came directly from DARPA. I mean, just saying that out loud on the show, someone's probably, oh, fake news. It's like directly from DARPA. The Guardian wrote about that. First paragraph, talking about brain control, mind control, using ferret and injections. You know, there's just so much of this that people don't know and and dismiss because they're told to dismiss like a trained animal. But he talks about this. So it's very alarming to think about the access you could have to that kind of, you know, insight into people's thought processes. Now, here is a is a, the video. I'm just going to play you two quick parts. Here's what he says right in the beginning about the AI conversation. I think this is loud enough here. Yes, but... Uh, in, in order to solve uh, full self-driving uh, properly, you actually just, you have to solve real-world AI. Um, you Because you, you, know, you see, like, what are the road networks designed to, to work with? They're designed to work with a biological neural net, our brains, um, and with uh, vision, our eyes. Now, the point is, he's talking about solving real-world AI. That's a huge, important thing for him. If you think that getting to, to accessing Twitter and the data Data, as Corbett's been telling you for years, is the new oil. That is the most important resource that they're using today. Data. And if you don't, I mean, Twitter represents the biggest treasure trove of data on every individual using it around the world that you've never seen. This is obviously part of what he wants this for, if not the entire focus. You have to admit that. That's alarming. Now, 
This is strange to me. I wasn't even going to get into this, but just watch his response here. Now, you know what he, how he, he seems to be a very, I mean, he's got a little bit eccentric the way he speaks, but he's usually much more direct and on, he knows what he's talking about. He knows not like to say, he knows what he wants to get out, right? Now, the way he says this, when he's asked directly about what his intentions are, like why he would do this after expressing that he would never do it because he thought it would be the worst headache of all time. Because people will blame him. And he says, yeah, they will blame me. I know that. But what he says next about why, it sounds like he pulled, it sounds like he was coached on how to say this, in my opinion, about freedom and free speech and the government and making the world better. It doesn't even sound like Elon Musk. And he, watch the, his body language and the way he's acting. Even the host, as somebody who interviews people, more than once the host tries to cut in because he can see that he's struggling. That's my opinion. Watch for yourself. When I say you can see he's struggling, it's because you're you're like, what's he getting at here? He doesn't seem like he knows what he's going to say. It's a lot of going, uh, uh, well, uh, and, and as an as an interviewer, I tend to go, well, you know, let me let me make this less uncomfortable, and you break in, right? Now watch what he's saying. I I just think it's important to the fun like, uh, it's it's important to the fun function of democracy. Um, it's important to the function of. Uh, the United States uh, as, as a free country and on many other countries and to help actually to help freedom in the world uh, so, more broadly than the U.S. Um, and so I, I think it's, uh, it, it's a, you know, I think this, this, the, the risk, civilizational risk uh, is decreased if Twitter, the, the more we can increase the trust of Twitter as a public platform. And so I, I do think this will be somewhat painful, and I'm not sure that I will actually be able to to acquire it. Um, and I should also say the, the intent is is to uh, retain as many shareholders. Yeah, well, he just goes on to say retain as many shareholders as are legally possible. But just, am I wrong? I mean, you guys think for yourselves. But that that the way he's his demeanor, his mannerisms, like it just does it look. I mean, he looks uncomfortable with his hands and the way his eyes are looking around, and and it's, it's weird to me. And even the sentiment that the U.S. and the free country, like that seems counter to what he's literally stated on Twitter before. Am I wrong? I mean, there's something strange happening here. But bringing this over, and the point of all of this, guys, is to think about how they're controlling the flow of information. And just like they couched Trump on this before this, the whole big move, and which I think greatly pacified one of the most obviously resistant to all of this, which in that case would have been militias and constitutionalists and everything. This is that, I think this is one of those moves. I think this is meant to ultimately pacify people who would be really upset about what Twitter's about to do or however that goes. I'm just, I'm just hypothesizing here, but these kind of conversations are why this is so incredibly important. Now let's get into the history here. I have a couple of articles I'm going to read through a little bit. I'm going to try to do this as reasonably quick as possible. 43 minutes. So the new Statesman, I just put, po- I pointed at this, the other show, I said I would come back to it. And I wanted to read through this because it's recent. This is April 12th. Now, this is the argument they're making. You're going to see this everywhere right now. Even from people that are sort of what I would argue, you know, are on my on the see what I see, but still kind of are are, are saying, well, let's not focus just on the Aza. Well, this is my point, though. It's not just a battalion, right? This is an ideological movement, which is even what they call it. I've told you before, the Azov movement that has completely overtaken the government. And I'm even seeing people out there that are fighting in the same battle who are, are quibbling about saying that. This is, I mean, it's never been more clear. This, this movement has been completely immersed into the government. 
I mean, it's that obvious from the, as even as Scott Ritter pointed out, they put themselves in positions of power everywhere. And they didn't just dissipate when they, and they, they even the, well, I'll show you next. They don't, they didn't just go away in 2016 as they go, they transitioned to political parties and therefore they disbanded. That's not, that's not even remotely true. I mean, they're lying to you because all of the documentation they would look at to make that claim says the exact opposite. The argument is by focusing on the Azov Battalion, we are falling into Putin's trap. Now, remember when, when Putin came out first and said denazifying? Remember what they first said? Putin's lying about Nazis to trick you and today's fake news. And well, that's weird because now it's like, well, here are definitely far right groups. But here's why. Just like I told you. But but now but, oh, here's why he was deceiving you. So it went from blatant misinformation and you guys are conspiracy theorists to kind of true, but not the full picture. That even that alone shows you that they're lying, dishonest, that the media's first move is to toe the line and then kind of pull back and go, OK, what are what are the facts? And then decide which ones to withhold from you. But they come out hot out of the gate to toe the line immediately. Subtitle, Ukrainians of all stripes are fighting to defend their young and fragile democracy from a real fascist threat. That's the subtitle. Now, is Russia a fascist country? I mean, there's a big difference between being an authoritarian. Like, fascist is a specific thing. That because, of course, historically, it ties back into people's minds with Nazis. Now, that's not always what it is, right? There's, I mean, right now, you can obviously point out that there's a lot of fascism in the West, as well as places like Russia or anywhere else. But is it a fascist government? It's a fair question, because I honestly don't think so. I wouldn't even go as far as to say that right now that the United States government's a fascist government. They're authoritarian for sure. But what's happening in Ukraine is undeniably fascist because that's what they say themselves. That's what the core foundational ideology of what led into the Azov Battalion was. The organization of, of Ukrainian nationalists was an open fascist entity that modeled after the Italian fascist mentality. It's documented in the CIA documentation. So it's interesting to see that's where you're, no, 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 not here, over there, right? Projecting. Now, I'm not even trying to say that Russia is not riddled with their own problems or building a you know, authoritarian like I'm pointing out over here. But what's interesting is why it's omitting the real point about what's happening in Ukraine, because that's the big agenda here. Of course, the fragile democracy. Nobody pretends they're I mean, they're not a democracy. If they got put in place by the U.S. government, which they verifiably did, they're not a democracy. And on top of that, they're not even an actual real governmental entity. They're a puppet put in place by foreign powers. So this is just right out of the gate. These people are either too stupid to know what they're talking about or towing the line. Even comprehensive forensic investigations, which haven't happened, into atrocities with an abundance of evidence of war crimes have been strategically undermined by weaponized state-sponsored disinformation campaigns. Oh, you mean like the investigations of Bucha and the train station? And no, well, those weren't comprehensive forensic investigations unless Ukraine told you they were because all you guys did was say Ukraine told us what they saw. I've gone over this extensively. Now, yes, the BBC, different places, they claim that they had a journalist on the ground in some locations being led around by the Ukraine government, which we've already proven to you with Azov Battalion patches on their arms, even though they don't exist today, right? But that's not the same thing. Comprehensive forensic investigations haven't even happened, not like they're like claiming. And on top of that, we keep showing you that they're even then wrong, lying, pretending, making up things. 
Like, for instance, we're talking about Bucha. What they know there is come directly from the people on the ground, which are the Ukrainian entities. Then you've got Maxar Technologies, which is a CIA entity, which I've all proved to you again today. That's not a forensic investigation. Even satellite imagery is not even remotely forensic if you're talking about on-the-ground deaths. But yet, that's what they state. And it's not, I mean, other state-sponsored disinformation campaigns on every side of this right now. But the facts have already shown you that they're lying. Not a disinformation, like verifiable fact, but they call that disinformation because they don't like what it shows you. I'll show you that again today. Reporting from a conflict is fraught not only with active dangers, but makes journalists potential targets of an internet internet information war. Many reporters currently working in Ukraine have told me they've been accused online of supporting Nazis when publishing their article. Oh, no, you mean because they're literally on the ground supporting Nazis? How dare you call them out for the reality? Like, this is the per- the point. Their entire argument is this is such an old story. It's not even real. They're lying about everything. And so when you're on the ground embedded with an open neo-Nazi group that we can prove are a neo-Nazi group, and then you go, they're calling me supporting Nazis. It's just, I, you, you wonder whether these people are really that in the dark. I don't even know. I I can't tell you for sure, but what I can tell you for sure is that these articles that are acting like they're not there are 100% supporting the agenda of open neo-Nazis. So these people are pretty ridiculous. But what they're trying to do is one, frame themselves as the victim, which Caitlin Johnstone always points out, right? They're, they're, they're becoming the victim when in fact, what they're doing is the abuser. This should come as no shock to anyone who watched Vladimir Putin's speech on the eve of the invasion. He, sta- he stated his intention was to denazify Ukraine because we know that's all fake news, right? That's how they do this. At what point do you prove that he's lying? Well, we don't. They just go, well, we know that's not true. Well, no one ever. You see my point? They just make these statements and then they always point back to it. From the very beginning, the U.S. government said that's not true. Fake news. So every article from that point points back and says, well, because we know that's not true, here's why. And the rest of the article goes forward. That's not journalism. That's propaganda. Ukraine, because it was led by a far-right government, as if this isn't even real. We know that's real. People who engage with this online are not having good faith discussions about the political composition of the Ukrainian government and Ukrainian civil society. Well, you utter liar. No one's even talking about the society. You see my point? They're desperate to conflate that we're calling the entire country Nazis. The same thing they do with Israel. Don't miss how obvious that connection is. We're not talking about Ukrainian civilians. Now, I will point out that, yes, they have had an influence on a large portion of the society. But I am not saying that every Ukrainian is a Nazi. That's what they're trying to frame it as. So it becomes a binary, obvious, either all or nothing. That's how they get you. Because the people that are stuck in the two-party paradigm, that feels comfortable. It's simple. One or the other. And it's very rarely, rarely how things work. They are derailing those debates by trying to legitimize Putin's attempt to destroy Ukrainian democracy. It's like, it, this, is a, this is the child-level narrative. To, to explain this phenomenon, <clears throat> we must start with an honest appraisal of Ukraine's far-right problem. The existence of the Azov Battalion, which again is the Azov movement today, a far-right militia, is an issue that has been widely publicized in Western press, right? Yeah, except up until 2022, where you guys had a brief like two-month period where you screamed everything was fake and there's no Nazis at all, and then suddenly quietly came back into it. I don't know where that happened and why that happened, but it's very, very obvious and very embarrassing. That's why I think most people see through this, guys. You don't have that and then pretend like it's... You can't call it absolutely fake and just laugh about it and then quietly start admitting it 
as we go forward, just like they did with the vaccine. Myocarditis is fake news, you dangerous disinformed. Except it's real, though. Oh, well, super, super rare. Well, okay. Fake is different than super, super rare, isn't it? So we were right then. No, you're not. You're fake news. It just, it never ends. It was founded, they say, in 2014. <clears throat> the same year, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I got to stop doing that, or at least mute it when I cough lately, but <laughs> my throat's been clogging up. The same year as the pro-European Maidan revolution and Russia's invasion of Eastern Ukraine, or rather the support of the separatist and the legal and voted for annexation of Crimea. <clears throat> Going forward, in the same year, the Azov Battalion was incorporated into Ukraine's National Guard. Well, in fact, what it did was became the National Guard. It wasn't one. They also had the Azov Battalion, but they just influenced and immersed into the National Guard, which essentially was their was their creation in and of itself. But also, well, as it goes forward, and in 2016, this is the point: separated its political and military wings. Now, that's not necessarily incorrect, but they didn't separate. They became, they grew. So they still are the military wings. They, and then they grew and created political parties. They, they are misrepresenting that this changed something. All it did was make them more powerful. Former, former members, you see, that's a lie right there. They didn't state that they stopped, but they then say former members of the group have been investigated. Now you could take that as, well, any people that just left the group for whatever reason later have been investigated. Not as if the party went away, but you see, they played a game right there. They made it sound like they separated things and then former members as if it never doesn't exist anymore. That is a calculated manipulation, in my opinion. They are very clearly there. They grew in 2016 and they're even more powerful now. It says the fact that the Ukrainian government is openly collaborating with a group with this history is a grave issue for any liberal Democrat or human rights activist. I would agree with that. That's the only, I mean, I feel like that's the only honest statement in this entire article. But the problem is that they act like that's a small little thing. And here, then they go on, but here's why it doesn't matter. Membership figures for the Oz Battalion are hard to come by. Not really. In fact, I'll show you the documents where they would go to if they actually cared about finding out the, the truth. Exactly things like this, where they cite the membership numbers in other contexts. I'll come back to that. But of course, they don't, they go, well, it's hard to come by. So then they can just guess at it and act like that's the picture, right? Recent estimates range from one to 3,000. <laughs> oh, really? And I keep telling, I keep showing you guys this. For the purposes of debate, let's just go ahead and assume it stands at 10,000. Well, the stated reference in that very document says 20,000. But then we also point out that you guys in other contexts have admitted 50,000, 75,000 coming in from the recruitments that they pull in when you guys alternatively want to scaremonger about the international white supremacist threat. Isn't that funny how then it goes all the way down to 10 or 3,000? But here's the point. They don't know is what he's saying. We don't know. But let's assume. So they don't know. We're guessing 10,000. And in the very next paragraph, they go, the number of active military personnel in Ukraine pre-war was 196,000. To put that number in context, Azov's maximum strength would be 5.1%. Based on your guess? That's that you didn't even you see. So we're guessing, but then we're making that say if only 5%, see, they're not even important. You just said you don't even know the full picture. That's just, they're just trying to paint a picture of what they want. The reality is it's pro it's whether or not the Azov battalion in quotes specific is 3000, 10,000 or closer to 75,000, which is what they're reporting everywhere else in other contexts. 
is kind of irrelevant because my point is the Azov movement is one thing, but they have immersed and taken over politics, police forces, media. This is in the documents I'll show you next, where they admitted them right before this all started. That's the reality. This is, a, this is a game of propaganda trying to manipulate you into thinking you're wrong for pointing this out. To ignore these people and concentrate solely on Azov does little to serve Ukrainian civil society, which faces an existential threat at the hands of Russian fascism. See, that's all they want you to think about. It's an old group that doesn't really exist, but Russia is the Nazis. And they go, volunteer battalions have gay dancers and, and Hasidic Jews and well, I'm sure they're yelling that quite a bit, but as I can, from what I can actually prove, that's literally just statements from people in Ukraine. I'm, I've done a lot of due diligence on this. Even the people in the Azov Battalion are going, well, we don't have them. They've even state explicitly that they do in none of the Azov Battalions are there any Jews. Why does that, why would the Jews not be in the Azov Battalions if that's your whole point? But then point out that they go, well, but there are on some and other groups. They're just stating these things. Now, I don't know if it's true or not, the bottom line is what I can prove to you about the LGBTQ movement, let's say, that took place before this all started, they're being attacked. I'll include this since I referenced it. This was 2020, right before this started. Hate crimes against these people in Ukraine. The attacks have become more and more organized. Who are they attacked by? The SBU, by the Nazis, by the neo-Nazi groups, by the Aza Battalion. Like it's on the record, guys. They are the ones attacking these people, and yet suddenly they become the defenders of everybody and all their, or rather they don't exist now, moments later. To ignore this huge thing that you just screamed about, I mean, it's just so ridiculous. That's where this argument moves from the absurd to the obscene, they say, as if that's all fact when they just spout it out. Vladimir Putin is a major sponsor, they say. See, I'm glad I did that. I would have forgot the link. I want to look at this. Of the far-right political parties all across Europe and is close to a militia, the Wagner Group, that is involved in a military action around the world and has been linked to white supremacy movements. See how quick that transitions to the point being, no, 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 it's not the open Nazi group that's infiltrated the entire government over here that we're not pointing at. It's the, it's the nebulous, unverifiable argument that Putin is this thing that we can't prove. That's what you'll show. I'll show you right now. So we have verifiable, open-stated Nazi-tattooed entities that are walking around saying they're this, except the Western press doesn't point at that. Then you have the argument of Putin, this because of these connections that we can't really prove is his connection. But it's, it's just, these people, I don't know how they couldn't see that this is dishonest. Here's the point. Oh, and of course, my main point is don't forget that this is not just right now. Like that's the thing. I'm going 2014 forward today, but do not forget that on the record, that's why I put the Azov image right there in the middle of the CIA thing. Don't forget that they have been building. That's why I pointed out the organization for Ukrainian nationalists, which is a fascist organization that was almost gone. And they plucked out Mikhail Lebed as the leader. He plucked him out of obscurity, put him in position, and he became the, the, the foundation for the fascist entity that grew all the way till today. And they supported and built. They let him run the prologue company in New York as a CIA cutout, which is a, which is a crime. <laughs> Nobody cares. It's obvious. Now, going back to this, this is what they point at. So don't miss the point. They're saying, okay, the argument moves from absurd to obscene. Vladimir Putin is, quote, in link, major sponsor of politi all political far-right parties in the Wagner Group. So this is the link they're pointing at. So you'd assume there'd be something about the Wagner Group, right? 
You'd be wrong. Doesn't even mention the Wagner Group. Cool. Great job, journalism. Okay. So what it does say, though, exclusive from March 24th, 2022, pretty, pretty recently. It says exclusive. Russia backs Europe's far right. Okay. So when they reference in this article, right, coming right off of Azov Battalion, different militias, and they say, well, here he supports all of the far right political parties, you would think it's tied to that, right? In some way, like right sector and different things. Well, emails and documents show just how closely Italian, French, German, and Austrian politicians coordinate with Moscow. Okay, so my point is, they are just doing like a Trump thing here. Now, are these people far right? Like they deem anybody they disagree with, like even myself, even though I laugh at all the ridiculous extreme parties left and right. They're just going, well, an Italian politician is like, he's kind of like Trump. So he's a far right, a French, German, Australian. So basically what you're saying is documents show that Putin is, or rather specifically that Russia as a government is engaging with diplomacy with these countries and God forbid speaking with politicians that this entity deems far right. That's their link. That's their argument for why we know for sure Vladimir Putin is sponsoring far-right parties. Sponsoring? Read it for yourself, guys. This is a ridiculous far reach. This is an argument of Putin, or rather the Russian government, engaging in connections and diplomacy with other governments around Europe because they deem them as far-right. That's, that's, the, that's the gist of it. The Wagner Group, of course, here's just a connection for Here's the, the point. This isn't even this isn't even linked in the article, by the way. It's an article from 2019. Inside the shadow war fought by Russian mercenaries. The, and by the way, Whitney has talked about the Wagner Group a few times. The Wagner Group has ties, has ties to Russian President Putin's inner circle. You know what that's called? Not an actual connection. Now, you could argue that there is a connection, but you don't see it. It could be there. This guy could then be connected to Putin because they're connected to that guy. But that is not the same thing we're seeing with the Aza Battalion. We're literally watching them say this thing themselves. We're watching them say that they want to overtake the world and overtake Europe with their white supremacy. They're saying these things. And yet all they can do is go, here's a group that are we think are, we are bad white supremacists that has a tie to a guy that's next to Putin. Oh, we proved it all, didn't we? Now, again, I'm not saying it's not true, but this is the gist. This is the level of their proof. As we read it again, the Wagner Group has ties to Russian President Putin, inner, his inner circle, but blurs the line between what is and isn't happening on Moscow's orders. You know what that means? We have no idea who's saying what and what's what's be, who's directing what and what it, where it's coming from. But we're going to write an entire article about how it's all Putin because that's the point. Now, your people will take this as me, God, like. Putin's side, whatever. It's just showing you how clear one side is a bunch of subjective arguments that could be true, that they then frame as absolute fact, like this, that he absolutely is a major sponsor of these parties, period. That's not true. You can't prove that. But on the other side of it, as we'll show again moment, is just an absolute. It goes on to say, of course, don't forget the main point. Around the world, linked, linked, which means not, it's not, ah, it's just so lazy, to white supremacy movements. So they're gaslighting you about an obvious, open, and literal Nazi in some degree, and neo-Nazi entity movement 
political entity and then going, but here he is linked to the very thing we're pointing at that we can't prove he is or even actually is espousing, but he's, here's a financial link from a guy to from a guy, from a guy, but here we're watching them and we're going, no, don't look at them. They're lying about that obvious thing that's right in your face. Don't trust your lying eyes. Under Putin, it says, Russia has regressed into a totalitarian fascist regime. My God, I'm, I am no fan of the Russian government, but really? Like, that's just such a childish overreach. At the very least, the Russian government is exactly like the U.S. government, exactly like all the other governments that would absolutely abuse whatever's in front of them to get their, to get their policy or their agenda done. He threatens Ukraine not because it has a far-right element. That's all they're going to give you. But because Ukraine is a growing, sovereign, liberal democracy that he can no longer control. Talk about a fantasy land. Are you, I mean, they're literally calling Ukraine right now a liberal democracy as the controlling entity laughs about how liberals and Democrats are the antithesis of what they are. That's again, trusting what they tell you is happening instead of just looking at what's happening. Trusting what they tell you the science is instead of just looking at the science. And then not trusting anything anyway and doing your own due diligence. Russia's information war focuses on Ukraine's neo-Nazis because it seeks to take control of the narrative. Now, that's probably true. But there absolutely are undeniably not just neo-Nazis, but entire groups that have overtaken the government. Now, is he focusing on that because he has designs to control the country? Probably true. But it doesn't change the reality of the situation. It doesn't change that the U.S. government had driven this into reality. It doesn't change that the CIA grew that entity that he's pointing at. Like, these are all facts. They just choose not to look at the most obvious one. It says it wants to dehumanize Ukrainians to the point that when a bomb is fired on a theater full of children in Mariupol, which is one of the most obvious lies of this entire push, it can blame the atrocity on the Azov and avoid international condemnation and accountability. Was oh, that why? Simple as that. So he created this whole thing. So when he chooses to arbitrarily bomb a, a, a theater full of children for literally no reason, he can just go, it's that group. Now, explain for me why he couldn't do that without the Nazi in there, right? It doesn't make any sense. Couldn't he just go, the Ukraine government did it? Because the Ukraine government has also carried out the atrocities in Donbass and everywhere else. Like, you just leave out the whole Nazi point. Everything's still the same. The only reason the Nazi point makes sense in their mind is because that's part of their agenda. That's the whole point about blaming all of this. You could pull out the Nazi part of that, and his narrative still makes just as much sense. They're murdering people here. They're ethnic cleansing in Donbass. I need to protect the Russian speakers over here. The Nazi part of it is just the reality, guys. Now, you could argue he's abusing that, but you can't ignore what's right in front of you. And then, and then actually, Dick, depict, driving through the narrative around Mariupol, specifically the theater, don't forget that the only, the, the two main witnesses they point at worked for the U.S. government. That's just a slap in the face, guys. One works for USA. The other one also works for the, or I should say more specifically, is directly connected to the U.S. government and their programs in Ukraine from 2014 forward. Now, does that mean they're lying? No, I can't prove. Other than, other, well, I, I shouldn't say that. I, I think I have proven they're lying, even whether they know it or not. But I can't prove that they know they're part of a manipulation. But the fact that they work for the government for a, Trojan horse entity like USAID. I don't know why we wouldn't think of that. Again, that's that the meme from before. 
All these same people are back there pointing at the same lies of Iraq and what they did before. And they tricked us. They lied and false flag regime change. And then Ukraine's all, yo, I stand with Ukraine. You're a not, you're a, a conservative Nazi. And I can't like, how does that happen? You know, they lied before. Why can't we ask at the very least if they're doing it again? Because of an information war being waged on you. Talk about projection. Russia's information war focuses on them. As it says here, this is a tried and tested model that Russia has perfected in Syria. Talk about inverse of the reality. Again, this is exactly what we're talking about. These things have been so, this is one of the most provable discussions that I've ever seen. From the very first point that we can see people like Carla Del Ponte from the UN, from like 2015 or 6, I forget what the date was, speaking on earlier saying, look, no, it was even, I think it was even before that. I think it was 2014, 13. She's on the record saying, it was not Assad, paraphrasing, it was not the government, it was the, it was the, uh, the rebels that carried this out. On the record, she says that. And right now, today, you will still see the Nikki Haley's and the different people of the U.S. government pointing back and saying, that was the Assad's government. Because they just don't care if you can see. They will hope and bank on you trusting what they say is the fact. All they need is that isolated extreme minority and pretend that they're the majority. Every one of them since then has been proven to be a false flag. Every one of them carried out by rebels or completely staged. People like Robert Fisk from The Independent went himself on the ground back when that was still actually happening and proved it. Here we are. As it says, few attitudes in contemporary history have been more egregious than Russia's systematic attacks on the organization of the prohibition of chemical weapons. Right. Oh, you mean the organization that had like 13 whistleblowers that came out and said they lied about everything? They got rid of all of them, put new people in place, and now suddenly everything's back on track? How do you miss things like that? Only if you blindly follow their narrative and don't look outside the lines. And it's reporting on Assad's regime, his multiple use of chemical weapons. It's the same as the shooters in the Maidan Square. They still tow that line. They still pretend that he forcefully seized Crimea despite the obvious worldwide record of them voting to join, despite the fact that they're all openly on the record, Russian speaking, and on the record being attacked by the fascists in Ukraine. And they were openly reporting that before we got here. Now they're saying it's not happening. It's just child level. That's what they're pushing, guys. Now, here quickly are what we just showed you the other day. I took way too long in that first part. There's too much to get into. We just went over this. Is America training neo-Nazis in Ukraine? This was 2019. So they're pretending, and their main argument is 2016, they broke apart, and now they're all former members, and they're not really part of it anymore. That's what they just tried to sell you. This is 2019, Daily Beast. A couple of important parts. Oh, wait. Oh, no, that's right. I wasn't going to get into this again. The point is just them saying, are they training neo-Nazis in Ukraine? You mean, you mean three years later when they don't exist after, according to whatever garbage outlet this is, right? Th that's the point. It's just silly. Yes, they are. And they basically admitted in this article. But here's the main part. This is 2021. So how is a white supremacist militia that supposedly went away in 2016 in 2021 radicalizing and training new members on Facebook? Yeah, work that one out. But here's just a couple of the important parts. Within the global network of far-right extremists, how can it be a global network if they disband in 2016? He serves as a point of contact to the Azov movement, not battalion, the movement that overtakes the entire country. The Ukrainian militant group, this is Time Magazine for those on the podcast, the Ukrainian militant group 
that has trained and inspired white supremacists from around the world. Sure seems like it's far-reaching, but I guess a couple seconds later, it all went away in history. Most important. I went through this in depth in the past show. I think it was this one here. Yeah, so check it out if you want to find the in-depth discussion. Even in December, the Azov movement's political wing, the National Corps, right? So it's not that they're a, just political party that stopped being the Azov battalion. It's the Azov movement's political wing. It's so obvious and very apparent to see. The National Corps. And its youth wing maintained at least a dozen pages on Facebook. Yeah, they're, they're, in, they're radicalizing children on Facebook, and this is okay. The Azov movement through its online propaganda, has fueled a global ideology of hate that now inspires more terrorist attacks in the U.S., I don't agree with that, than Islamist extremism does and is a growing threat throughout the Western world. I mean, just take that one sentence compared with what this outlet is trying to sell you. By focusing on the battalion, we're falling into his trap. It's fascist Russia that's the problem. Okay, well, that seems to be quite a bit different. The Azov movement has an international light, is a, a global ideology of hate that inspires more attacks than anything else throughout the war on terror in 2021. But now they're fighting for freedom and we have to stand up for their liberal democracy. This is, I'm guys, I swear to you, I do not see how people can buy this right now. There is a fringe minority of people that are always the ones that just toe the line say what they're told to say, people that still trust what the mainstream media tells them, they are the ones out there doing this. And there are a lot of people, probably millions. But the vast majority, I, I, I think, are more, are more intelligent than this. They can see that they seconds ago were saying this. How can you read that and then think what they're saying right here makes sense? It's just ridiculous. Going forward, it says the main recruitment center, this is one of the most obvious points. So don't forget, 2016, according to that article, it disbanded. Then they went to political parties, and there's just a fringe small thing. It's an element of people that dispersed, and they're no longer there. According to this in 2021, Time Magazine says the main recruitment center for Azov, known as the Kozak House, stands in the center of Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. On the ground floor in 2021, the shop is called the Militant Zone, which sells clothes and keychains with swastikas and neo-Nazi merchandise. Yeah, now right now you're collectively hearing all of the Western press and the liberals out there go, la, 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 that's not true fake news. Time was wrong. We don't know why. Russia did it. Blah, blah, blah. Because there's no way you make sense of that with what they're trying to push on you right now. Like, in fact, I'm going to, I want to like tweet that out. I got to remember to do that more often because for some reason, I mean, not for some reason, it's the tweets. I'll do this in the middle of a three hour show and it goes nowhere, right? We got to get these things out there. I think that was it. I didn't want to go too long on this. I mean, that, I mean, that's enough, isn't it? I mean, there's so much more in this article. Here is the Stanford. Center for International Security and Cooperation, which is exactly the group they point at to try to pretend that the Russian imperial movement, imperial movement is the biggest thing since sliced bread. Oh my God, it's everywhere. It's overtaking the white supremacy everywhere. Not it, you can't, it, just like that other article, it is a subjective, uncertain connection that has disappeared since 2015 in regard to Ukraine. Now, yes, they're still in Russia. And yes, there's still a Nazi movement. But the point is that as it relates to the Azov Battalion movement and Ukraine, it's non-existent. This was updated March 2022. As it says, the Azov Battalion is an extreme right nationalist paramilitary organization based in Ukraine that apparently still exists, despite what they say in the other article. Founded in 2014, the group promotes Ukrainian nationalism. For all those people out there talking about a good liberal democracy, obviously not what they're saying. Now, of course, as I've always said, nationalism is not inherently a bad thing, but they're extreme fascist 
neo-Nazi version of this is very dangerous. Now, understand, they don't necessarily call themselves Ukrainian nationalists. I think that's more so come around the idea because of how the CIA illusion of putting the construct built around them, they know that's what they're tapping into. But if you actually read their documentation and listen to what they say, they don't, they, they, they're openly extremists. The terminology they use is not just that we believe in Ukraine. It's about the fact that we hate those people over there, that we want to remove them, that we want to overtake this and rebuild the white, the white race. That's what they're saying. Now it says, and neo-Nazism through its national militia. So just be clear, even this group, Stanford is saying, the group today promotes nationalism and neo-Nazism through its national militia, paramilitary organization, and the National Corps political wing as one and the same, the Azov movement. So my point is that article goes to places like this to get the information and then just lies to you. It is notable for, or gets told to say by somebody and doesn't even look at it. It is notable for its recruitment of far-right foreign fighters from the U.S. and Europe, as well as extensive transnational ties with other organizations. Totally small, right? The Azov Battalion specifically cites desire for American recruits to join Azov and help counter perceived pro-Kremlin narratives in the U.S. Weird, are they focused just on the U.S., almost like this is an information war and they're being driven by something that we don't see. It's weird, right? Or it's pretty obvious. Members of the American Rise Above movement have also opened public publicized meetings with them, and that's the group that they point at that started the whole Trump conservative white supremacy point. Weird how it ties right back to the Aza Battalion that ties right back to the CIA. A number of Russian nationalists have also joined the Aza Battalion. That's very strange, isn't it? Did they just say they're trying to fight pro-Kremlin narratives? Now it says uh, Putin's regime from uh, within Russia, or it says due to their lack of political dissent options against Putin's regime in Russia and the fact that Azov is a largely Russian-speaking organization. Why exactly? Seeing as how they didn't necessarily start in the eastern of the country, as much as the Azov Sea of Azov is where they're focused, the point is that that doesn't, seems to be as if it was built to be connected in some way to Russia, even though it seems right now they're aggressively attacking anything Russian, especially the Russian speakers in Crimea and the Donbass. So explain that to me. Doesn't really make sense with what they're currently doing, does it? Unless there was some agenda to lay them at the feet of Russia at some point. The, in 2017, Azov created an umbrella organization with the other far-right groups to boost the national core's presence in elections. So one year after this other article says they stopped, that's clearly showing you they didn't just stop. They built an umbrella organization of just other far-right groups, right? Sector, Georgia Legion, it's, it's obvious. The national core also supports Azov's international recruitment. Exactly, because they're one and the same, providing housing, logistical support, 2017, the organization created a new street wing faction known as the National the National Militia. The National Militia patrolled neighborhoods, small groups, and the main point is conducted attacks against minority groups. In 2017, in fact, 2018, the point is, how does that align? After, first of all, let's just say they're no longer the odds of battalion like they lied to you about. Well, this group, whatever you want to call them, are still attacking minorities. That does not align with what you're pretending they are. Because what they really are is exactly still what we said they are. The Azov movement with his openly fascist, openly neo-Nazi, and openly attacks for people that they don't like. In 2019, Ukraine's Central Election Commission granted the national militia permission to monitor their presidential elections. Gee, I wonder why. So now you have a group that's openly walking in the streets, attacking minorities, now monitoring the presidential election. Think about that. 
Members of the Azov Battalion, the National Corps, and the National Militia appear to flow between the three branches. That's today, guys. That's not gone away. That's and it, they flow. Even their arguments, they split off. It tells you right there. They flow intermittently, interchangeably between these groups. Since the creation of all the three groups, the Azov Battalion, National Corps, National Militia, collectively, they are known as the Azov Movement. See, this is reality. At least I would even argue watered down reality. Now today, they're so afraid of this that they're just screaming blatantly false things to focus on the fascist threat of Russia, which you can even argue is true. But what they're hiding from you is the blatant reality of what these people really are. Now also, as they right now continue to arm this group, despite the fact that that's a crime based on their own information. Before we get there, though, here's an interesting point to really expose to you that they know they're hiding this. I mean, it couldn't be any more clear. Here's an article from Welt, German, a German outlet. They had, had it translated up here. Today's Azov regiment no longer has anything to do with the neo-Nazi battalion. Really? I mean, good God, guys, that's such a blatant lie. As I just showed you the most current documentation, and as they're right now saying that's what they are when you listen to them, this is just blatant. And you know why I know they know they're lying to you? Check this out. Here's what Alan McLeod caught. This article from the German outlet Die Welt, quote, this is what it said before they changed it. The lie of the neo-Nazi battalion is all about downplaying Nazis' role in the Azov battalion. Well, excuse me, that's what he said. But the image itself chose that they chose before they changed it. To illustrate the article, shows three separate, unambiguous, objectively Nazi symbols. Look at what it said before they altered it. The lie of the neo-Nazi battalion and the guilt of the West. And these absolute morons put this in here. And look, they keep, they're going, no, that's, that's not the wolf's angel. That's an N and an I for nation or in idea of the nation or some dumb argument there. It's obviously the wolf's angel symbol. And by the way, that's exactly what it says in every one of these documents. As of today, it's the obvious wolf's angel symbol chosen because it's a Nazi symbol. So why? Would they change the title, alter the picture, if they weren't hiding something from you? And of course, even this one hides even the wolf's angel symbol. These aren't even Azov Battalion. They're showing you different people in the Ukraine military. That's because they're well aware that they're hiding the reality from you. That's what their job is, to sanitize what they're selling you. These people should be called out for this, but the system doesn't care. You do, though, and that's why you're here. Because this is a blatant misrepresentation. Good catch, Alan. Seriously, I mean, it's just, I, I, this actually we're still following good. This is pathetic. It just takes discernment, guys. Here's Jake Morphonius pointing out Oz a Battalion doing a, what he called, this is what he names, and I can't confirm this is exactly what they're doing, but it's obvious they're doing some sort of weird blood ritual, and it is pretty creepy. Azov Nazis in the Ukrainian National Guard perform a blood ritual, as he says, to Perun the Slavic god, king god of thunder and war. Now, what I know about Jake Morphonius' past work, I, don't, I doubt he would state that if he hadn't done the due diligence on it, but you do your own look into it. I don't know for sure. Ancient worshippers perform blood sacrifices to him with bulls and sometimes humans. Azov troops sprinkled their blood in a pit where they erected a Perun statue. Check this out. Now, that was, every time they do that, guys, that's a Nazi thing. That's a Nazi symbol, and the statement is about... I forget what the exact translation was, but it's it's a typical thing. I, I don't want to guess again, but it's it's a it's a openly neo-Nazi thing that they do, that same little symbol they do with the hand on the chest. 
There's there's the Aza Batal, but you can see it on their backs. That's the symbol that they have on that Twitter account that censored me. But there's the Aza Battalion image right there. Nazi symbols, right? I mean, look, guys, the, the sun, which is what's on the Aza Battalion symbol, is an overt, unquestionable Nazi symbol. Then you have an obvious, actual swastika, multiple swastikas. That's an right now member of the Oswald Battalion. Now, by the way, guys, just because he's got these symbols does not then there automatically mean that every single member that's with him is the same. Like, this is what they're going to try to do with a single symbol being found in somebody in Russia or multiple symbols. Like, you can't say, look at this guy who's got a tattoo. That means all Russians are Nazis. And then deny that when I point at one of them. If you're going to make that kind of logical assessment there, you, you be in a, 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 you would, it's to be logically consistent you would you'd have to make the same assessment here right but that's not a fair assessment in any case we're showing you the facts behind it and the symbols only add to that reality i'll show you what i mean more when we show you the the allegations against russia Interesting. Now, this person, of course, stupidly says pro-Russian propaganda. (laughs) Like, think about that. Their video, unedited, a clip of them doing what they did. No commentary, nothing. Pro-Russian propaganda. So this is the kind of argument we get. People, the truth. If it's The the point is, guys, if it's pro-Russia to them, it is propaganda. That's not, he's literally, it doesn't even matter if it's true. If you're sowing something that challenges what they want you to think, that's pro-Russian propaganda, even if it's verifiable, even if it comes directly from Biden himself. doesn't matter. As I said, how is it pro-Russia or propaganda if it's their video and verifiably true? Or are you just repeating what you were trained to say when confronted with contradictory information with a picture of a clapping seal? Of course, no comment. Just think about how dumb that is. Like, just it's silly. Here is a video of people in New York City less than a day ago cheering Azov Battalion, or Azov, Azov. These are Americans, or rather, I mean, I couldn't shouldn't say that, but people in New York City who are openly chanting Azov. Now, think about how crazy this is, as right now, they're trying to pretend that this isn't what's really happening. It's not, they're not, they're not even real. They don't even exist. In 2016, they went away. And, but yet, at the same time, they're pointing at them and saying that they're their source on the ground. Of course, it's, they, they don't want you to think they're gone because they constantly point at them and they're obviously still there. But they go, but the Azov battalion is not what they once were. But yet, they literally say Azov and point at it and say the movement or the battalions and what they're saying and their source material or the defenders of Mariupol. Are they gone or are they present? Like, it's just so contradictory. But then on top of it, if we're arming them as a, as a country, if the U.S. government is arming them right now, which they are, well, that's a crime. Here's their documentation. 
This is at the 2022. None of the funds made available by this act to be used to provide arms, training, or assistance to the Gaza Battalion. Literally cited by name. This is the documentation right there. Consolidated Appropriations Act 2022. Okay? So explain to me how it makes sense that half the mainstream media can cheer them on exactly by name. How are they defenders of Mariupol without weapons, guys? Obviously, they're getting U.S. arms, just like the rest of the extremist groups, right? Sector Georgian Legion. This is a crime. Period. So here they are chanting, Azov, Azov. But yeah, let's pretend like they're not being armed, right? Right, so National Guard, which is which is all the battalion. Right, so this let's be clear. They are talking about the neo-Nazi groups, and they're all chanting out there and cheering them on, despite it literally being stated that we can't even we can't even give them funds. Why would that be? Because they're dangerous. So explain for me how they can be no longer existent. 2016, they went away. It's more of a political party now, and yet in 2022, the U.S. government put them as a battalion in by name. And why would they do that? Because they're a terrorist organization. That's actually the logic they used for putting this in there because their gut, the, the members of Congress made them put it in there because they said they were a terrorist organization. So you see how you, this is in real time. You can't have them listed in 2022 as a terrorist organization. That's why we can't even fund, arm, or train them. And yet simultaneously have the Western press argue that they're not even really there anymore. This is just mind-boggling how crazy this is. Okay, now here is the point. In regard to that, the, the symbols I was just making. This says, one of the captured Russian soldiers who was sent to Putin to denazify. Now, I don't even know if that's actually true. Actually, you know what I should have done? Because this wasn't my point today. I wanted to show you the, the hypocrisy of it all. But let's do a quick look. You can, we'll do this live. And you guys can see. I've shown this before. Tin eye is what I use. We'll find out where this came from. If it's new. I, my gut would probably tell me it's not. No, it looks like it is. Oh, no. Look at that. I knew it. Just be clear, guys. July 3rd, 2017. Here's the picture. Look at that. That's that's clear. Well, I, you know what? Okay, well, here's, here's 2015. Oh, see, it's going to be really hard to find. Oh, here it is. Hmm. Yeah, it's right there. Look at that. 2015. Okay, so I mean, I'm, I feel pretty good about how obvious that is. Multiple examples from 2000 and, and before. Let's go back all the way. Most of them seem like 2022 because it seems like it's being used right now. Now, let's be clear. Unless, I mean, there's sometimes these things can be weird where this can be posted. I don't know how you'd be able to lie about that. Let me see. If the, let me see where the current thing is on here. Yeah, they all say 2015. How interesting. Let me do one more thing. I saw this one down here. This picture. Let's check this one. And we'll find out. Oops, is that the one? 22, 22, 22, 22. Hmm. 
Well, I got to be honest, I'm a little mixed on this because this one place, which seems to have it, I don't know how to date this website or how to know for sure that this is from a while ago. Most of the rest of them. So you can see this process, you know, you can see how this works. And sometimes these are problematic. Let's go back one. This is the one that, last look, last look. This is 22, 22. This one's 2017. See with this one. Doesn't look like it's loading. Oh, well. Well, I got to be honest. I'm a little bit torn, but I have two examples of this showing up, which seems verifiable in previous years. Okay. Non, non, nonetheless, guys, the point is that we don't know. This is just somebody online posting this, and we don't know. So we should be skeptical, just like we would be if it was posted by the other side, right? We should be skeptical. Well, here's what's interesting. He's claiming it's one of the captured Russian soldiers. He wants to denazify, right? So could Russia be lying about that narrative because they want to do other things? Yeah. Does that mean there's not Nazis in Ukraine? No, it doesn't. So it's sort of a hollow argument. In reverse, if one person has a tattoo that you find or multiple people, does that mean that they don't want to denazify this country? Does that mean that their entire Russian government is Nazis? No. There, it's always these oversimplifications. The point is down here. And so this person makes a good point. So this is a war crime parading PWs on the internet, right? You're, you have, you have prisoners of war who are being posted online. That is a war that's against the law. Nobody cares though. As this person says, well, how else do you suggest Ukraine get the truth of the world? So she has already taken this at face value because that's what she wants to believe could be true. But then she's also saying, well, of course they have to break the law to get the truth out. But if Russia did the same thing, they'd go, they're breaking the law. They're criminals. And you say, well, good. Then how else do you get the truth out? So you're, so you're okay with them breaking the law? Like the same person would make that same logical fallacy. They would one side of it and not the other. It's logic absent. Now, nonetheless, you can't prove that. But let's just say it is for sure, just for the sake of argument, right? Let's say this is the guy. Now, I believe that's his shirt on his head. I'm not sure what that is exactly. Or maybe a hood. I'm going to get rid of these. Oh, dang it. That was loaded. Oh, well, I'll keep that one. So here's the other one we just talked about, right? Pro-Russian fighter with Nazi patches gets medal for killing Nazis. Now, unfortunately, I saw Alan McLeod was talking about this and he was like, nope, I point them out on all sides and I pointed this one out. And I think it's kind of a fair, unfair argument. Now, I, I said the same thing. Could those be Nazi symbols? For sure, yes. Now, I, I do believe that this one is a, is, is a similar, close enough to where you could argue it's literally a Nazi symbolism. But the point was the same thing, that a lot of these are used. I showed you that the cross skull and bones is used all over the place in military. And the symbol there is simply a Nordic symbol. And yes, some they tend to be used. Now, my point is not to argue that there's not Nazis in military everywhere or neo-Nazis in places. People have ideologies. And you could argue in a predominantly white country, it might be more, more extensive. I, I, but I don't know that for sure. And neither do you. The point is what we're seeing here is an example of something that could be. Now, when you stand back, you don't just assume that because that's what you're being told. On the other side of it, we have an endless procession of people with Nazi symbols, Nazi tattoos, and then openly stating that we're a neo-Nazi, literally using these things, literally having Nazi marches, literally framing Nazi statues. Like these things are very different. That's why you then, when you see one that looks similar, you can say, well, I, I couldn't prove to you that's why he put it there, but here's the mountain of evidence that suggests that he is, and therefore it all comes together. In this case, who is this guy? Does he have a past? We don't know. Where's the past example of how multiple people are all standing together and espousing neo-Nazi ideology? That's not happening here. 
So it's kind of a hollow argument to go, well, but could it be? Yes. And I said that last time. My point, though, is if your argument is to say, look, a Nazi symbol, therefore we know they're all Nazis. Why aren't they doing that in reverse? That's sort of, that's not sort of, it's a ridiculous, embarrassing, logical fallacy. Openly using the Wolf's Angel symbol on all of their, not all of the symbols, using the Black Sun on all of their symbols. I mean, countless, endless examples of open Nazi ideology and symbols and marches. And I mean, it never ends. This is just a simple, I just search, search Aza Battalion. That's not, that's, that's, and that's sanitized by Google. Here's the right sector. Guys, these are open, marching, Nazi ideology. I mean, all of them walking all. I mean, th- th- even, look, here's even Russia marches condemning these things in other countries, which you probably oh, fake news. But this is this is not a secret, guys. It's not a secret. I mean, look, this is funny. Here's NBC back before they were talking about this. Ukrainian rabbi plays down neo-Nazi threat from nationalists. Right now, today, they're going. Right, right wingers are overplaying the neo Nazi symbol to p- support Putin. <laughs> Moments ago, they were going, Oh, this rabbi's downplaying it over here from the very thing we're now pretending isn't even there. It's just that simple, guys. It's ridiculous. And what about the Georgian Legion? You can't even search Georgian Legion by itself without getting Nazi symbolism. You know why? Because it directly comes from the Georgian Legion of the Nazis in the actual World War II situation. And yet you have the Georgian Legion right now in Ukraine, using that name and openly fighting alongside it. Nothing. Fake news. And by the way, what's his name again? Uh, Say it right here. Oh, it doesn't say it right there. This commander right there, Mama uh, Mamul Shalivi, we've mentioned many times. The guy is, look, even they're framing him as a bad guy back then, but now he's a freedom fighter. (laughs) It's just silly. That's the guy that said Craig Lang was a great guy. That's the guy that they're trying to say is a war criminal. So you see my point is there is an endless stream of open Nazi ideology, symbolism, chants, discussions, speeches, blah, blah, blah. But it's all fake news because we don't understand. But yet they get one symbol and they're like, oh, we knew it. We knew it. They're all Nazis. Like, how do we not see the logical fallacy there? Oh, and by the way. Oh, this is just the discussion I had where I talk about these exact things with the symbolism. Like, look at these, look at these guys. I mean, these are, this is the Aza Battalion. These are the people holding their symbolism, holding, you know, holding this stuff up openly. Here's their pictures. I mean, it's just obvious. But this guy was the, where I got this picture from. Now, if you, if you take a quick look at his, his uh, platform, you get all sorts of subjective things like this, which I'll show you in a minute which basically says shown today at the UN security meeting from Ukraine. Well, if you look at it, it's a bunch of horrific pictures that are still shots and you have no context on how they got there, who or who did it. But of course, because we all just know it was all Russia. Therefore, there you go. It's all an emotional manipulation of just saying Russia did this with no evidence. That's what this guy's sharing. Yes. Here's the New York Times saying, we know this because of images we couldn't have possibly gotten in the time we said we did. And we can prove that. But he doesn't know that doesn't care still shots of people lying in Bucha, even though we know. I mean, this is my point. So here's one of his comments underneath what Marshall points out. This guy's, this is uh, daily speaking about what's really going on. And he goes, disgusted with Russia and Russians. You see, that's actually racist. This guy's saying Russians are bad. That's the barely, barely under the surface sentiment they've, they've been pushing. Oh, you're a Russian soccer player? Well, you can't play this year. Why is that the government? Who cares? You're 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 a, you're a fascist if you care. 
you're attacking Russians broadly. Video game players, sanctions, oligarchs, doesn't even matter. And this guy's telling you they think that we disgusted with Russia and Russians because Russians are bad. Oh, we're not supposed to say that part. They will never have my sympathy again. It just it shows you what they're really about, guys. Now let's see, where are we right now? We're at 140. We had a couple of seg. I think I'm gonna skip one of these segments here. So I was going to go through this. I'm, I'm going to circle back to this one. Based bottom line, I'm actually really starting to like this guy's channel. I, I Earl Gray. Now, of course, because he's out of St. Petersburg, everyone's fake news, no matter what, because Russia, a bad guy, whatever. It's not possible that somebody could live in St. Petersburg and actually objectively cover this. But because he does objectively cover it, and that's been t- framed as Russian disinformation, he's a Russian shill without any evidence. It's already happening. We know how pathetically childish that is. But the point in this little segment was about the Russian media, or excuse me, the Ukrainian journalists, or any journalist in Ukraine, and how they're being attacked. I really wanted to go through this. Let's see. Just having a, having a mild timing issue. I'm trying to think about how I want to go through this. Now, I think what we're going to do is just fly through it really quickly, and I'm probably going to come back to it. So this is Ukraine's forces systematically and on purpose violate article three human rights osce now here is he, in this this video he posts both of these now this is the osce organization for security and cooperation in europe pointing out different examples of things they're point there's recent documents documentation here they are saying media freedom representative reiterates grave worries for regarding safety of journalists in ukraine now, of course they point at russia being the problem as their war but multiple times they talk about journalists being killed yet we can point out that they're being assassinated right now by the sbu multiple times i've made that clear now this is just about pointing out that it was russia but here's the point that back in 2016 the atlantic council was openly pointing out that the same thing was happening yet the russian part wasn't there they're saying the ukrainian government was murdering journalists right this is right in plain english the government's not doing anything about it. Where's the rest of the West? Why is nobody calling this out? The people from New York Times Magazine are being attacked, murdered. I mean, it's all over the place. The U- the, at the time, the, this is the U.S.-backed government, was putting out leaked information about BBC journalists, Al Jazeera, human rights people, is, if they were simply talking to the separatists. And then even the, the group that, by the way, at the time was led by Minister Arsen Avakov, Ar- Ar- which was the person of the interior minister, the open Nazi that they pushed aside in 2019, going, who cares? He praised what they did it. He, le- he, he said, do more of it. They, they basically put this out at, about journalists and put their lives at risk. By whom exactly? By the very SBU that was killing them. This is all on the record, guys. There's a vice journalist that was saying, bottom line, they're saying, we need to do something about this. The West needs to draw attention. Did they do that? No. So we're going to ignore the fact that they were openly saying that this very entity was killing journalists, and now it's happening still, but we're going to blame it on Russia. Even though we can prove to you it's still happening on their side. Here he is pointing out a document that's really, really unnerving. I was going to play you this clip, and I'll probably just get to it in another show. OSCE, Supplementary Human Dimension Meeting. April 2016. Main point, this is all about the SBU and what the Ukrainian government did. And here, see this picture? War crimes of the armed forces and security forces of Ukraine. The picture, which by the way is of some horribly bruised and hurt hands, tortured to death 
by SBU officers, November 2014. Now, this article goes through some horrific stuff, rape, manipulation, torture, of, you know, it, it's and this is the Ukraine government doing this to pe- to civilians, specifically the people we're talking about. And this is after the U.S. government took power. And this just discusses the same thing. Among government actors, the most common perpetrator of arbitrary detention and torture was the SBU. Now, I'm going to include these. Maybe I'll just come back to these after. This is Eva Bartlett on the ground discussing what's happening. Mass graves. I'm actually going to come back to that since I didn't mention the title. Sorry, guys. I have an unexpected time limitation here. The bottom line is I was going to go into this in general about the mass graves and how right now, yet again, Russian forces accused of secret burials and mass graves. Well, we just talked about this. Guess who they're using to point at this again? Maxar Technologies. Maxar Technologies, who literally has a member of the CIA on their board. Louis was the first chief executive officer and president of NQTEL Capital Fund for the CIA. Lewis is the founder and former CEO of QIntel, strategic venture fund created to help enhance national security by connecting the Central Intelligence Agency and U.S. intelligence community with venture-backed entrepreneurial companies. He also serves as the commissioner on the U.S. National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence. Interesting timing with Musk and everything else. Oh, by the way, I wanted to show you this. Check this out. Now, my point from before of why they might be kind of hiding these things, why that article would hide the picture if they're not trying to hide things from you, right? We just did this. This is what triggered me looking into the CIA in regard to Maxar Technologies. Remember? This is a live show I, I pulled up. Maybe just because it's a satellite? Hmm. That's interesting. That's a, <laughs> that's a call something that I just found, just stumbled into. But, I mean... Central uh, Intelligence Agency. Remember, we did this live. We did this live. And I was like, oh, look at that. It says CIA there down there on the reference things. Well, guess what it says today? None of that. They just removed the CIA part of it. At least on the, on the Wikipedia page. Why would they do that? Because people are talking about it. Because that's how this is supposed to work. That, was an, that gave me a clue that they probably didn't want to be there. I mean, it's, it's clear as day. Right there. Now, the point of the mass burials is we just talked about this. Here is the mayor, part member, part connected directly to the Aza Battalion, in Bucha, telling you, in Bucha, we have already buried 280 people in mass graves. Now, ask yourself why they would bury their own people in mass graves. But it's quoted elsewhere, guys. It's not an accident. So they're burying people in mass graves. That's established. And then in the same location, a week later, on Business Insider, images of mass graves have emerged from Bucha. Following reports of massacres, the reports of Russian atrocities prompted them to accuse them of genocide. Right, because they made the mass graves, right? Well, the mayor's on the record saying they did it. Oops. Same point today. Same point today with these ones. The point bottom line is that they're blaming them for things that they're doing. And this is the same reality we made clear in Bucha, where we're watching them, watching them drag those bodies into the exact position that they were in when the, the images were taken. Right there in front of you. Now, if you want to pretend they're trying to stop IEDs when he's like 10 feet away from this thing and moving it multiple times, you're a child. 
This is about moving the bodies, and they got caught. And there's also a bunch of examples of people on the ground telling you that the Azov Battalion was hurting them. As he says, they're taking bodies from morgues and throwing them around, saying Russia's killing civilians. I mean, it was hell. They shot at us. The Azov. We saw it ourselves. Endless. Endless, endless information where they're telling you the reality on the ground. I'm going to come back to most of this, guys. This one, too. This was going to debunk it, but unfortunately, I have to skip past this. We're going to come back to the Bucha civilians and the reality of where these darts are actually coming from. Soviet-era weapons that they're blaming on Russia. Oh, you mean like the Soviet-era weapons that the U.S. government secretly shipped into Ukraine? Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. And, of course, they're very clearly coming from the 70s artillery from the Soviet era. Weird. Well, it's almost like that's expected, right? And, of course, you can see in the past that guess who was using those same cluster bombs with the same things inside of them? Oh, that's right. It was the Ukraine government being accused by Human Rights Watch back in 2014. But yet now today when they point at them, they go, Russia did it. Isn't that weird? We'll come back to this. I'm going to do this tomorrow, guys. If this, if, and then, of course, the end of the day, all we get is Ukraine says. Live updates, three missile attacks on Odessa that comes directly from the advisor saying this happened and they all quote it. The same advisor down here that says the flashy lies and manipulations of the ISIS entity are exactly what we like and what we want to emulate. That's, that's what he's saying right there. And that's what he says right there. Take it at face value. And here's the video they play at the UN. Just really quickly, because it's graphic images, it's just still shots of people being dead. Now, look, I mean, I swear, I feel like I've even seen this image from somewhere else. Am I wrong? Anyway, the point is, guys, what does a bunch of still shots of dead people mean, even remotely? How do you prove any of that? It's all emotional manipulation, which is all they have. Now, to, to finish up, since I am ending a little early, I just want us to think about the long-term issues they're framing on this, such as the food infrastructure issues. Dr. Scott points out, 120 million in potatoes lost due to Canadian government's fears that Biden's U.S. Department of Agriculture will ban all shipments. Right. So you just throw it all away instead of give it to people. I mean, really? Pretty crazy. This person says, I'll just say good on you for propaganda. Again, propaganda? How is that propaganda? He's not even giving you the agenda. He's simply going, they threw them away because of what they stated. And you know what he's insinuating, so you call it propaganda. It's not propaganda if it's fact, as he said. Sorry, fact, but this is where we are today. So apologies for rushing out, guys. Hopefully that got the point across today. I'm going to finish this off with a great clip that I actually I actually specifically reached out to really graceful and asked her if I could play this today because it's a fantastic video to just kind of last it out. It's about a 10-minute video, so please watch it all. Thank you for being here, guys. I love you all. Let me get the video up real quick. As always... Yeah, please watch this whole thing. This is really well done. Matt Fra- it's, a, it's a great video that goes over uh, the whole kind of breadth of it as the Gates buying far, uh, farmland and the manipulation of, of the meat discussion. Like, it's, there's so many parts of this that are very obvious. But as always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Here on this channel, we've been cataloging the strange happenings of our world for some time now. Within the span of the past year, one of the world's largest ships jammed up the Suez Canal for nearly a week. 
the Suez Canal being one of the world's most important trading routes. The price of fertilizers for crops have hit an all-time high. Bill Gates became the largest farmland owner in the United States. World leaders announced impending food shortages due to the war in Ukraine. With Russia and Ukraine making up more than 30% of the global wheat market, and they're considered the breadbasket of Europe. Followed by reports of the bird flu in the United States over the past month, forcing farmers to kill millions of egg-laying poultry. All of these aforementioned incidents have driven up the price of items at your grocery store. But now we shift our focus to the most recent series of strange events contributing to this price hike and potential shortage. Wondering, is it all a coincidence or something more? In some ways, it's like the ship getting stuck in the Suez was just the start, just the beginning of all these recent supply chain issues. And really, it's only escalated from there. In the last six months, around 20 U.S. food processing facilities have burned down. I'm going to lay them out on a timeline for you so we can look at the data and decide for ourselves if something is going on here or if there's really nothing to see, we can just move along. January 12th, 2021, Fayetteville, Illinois. The Deli Store Corporation, a processor of deli meat for military and commercial use, was destroyed by fire. No details on how the fire started. April 11, 2021, a cooker at the plant caught the whole Tyson poultry plant on fire. It went up in flames. July 26, 2021, Memphis, Tennessee, a three-alarm fire breaks out at the Kellogg cereal plant. Reports say fire started in the rice dryer. August 2, 2021, Hansville, Alabama, fire damages Tyson-owned feed ingredients plant. The poultry meal plant received significant damage in a fire that was said to be sparked by animal byproducts in Greece. August 24th, 2021, Patax Meat Products in Cobb County, Georgia. A fire broke out at the factory causing severe damage. I've actually been to the retail store many years ago. It's a community staple, but it was a total loss. September 13th, 2021, Grand Island, Nebraska. The headline reads, Five Alarm Fire at JBS Beef Plant. The Grand Island Fire Department reported that the roof was on fire around 10 p.m. that night. October 20th, 2021, Tar Heel, North Carolina. A fire at the Smithfield Foods Plant, allegedly started by an employee named Latasha Biddle, who set fire to the break area. Well, she came back in two days later with a hammer and vandalized cars, screaming about how she was going to burn down the plant and shoot the place up before fleeing. She eventually turned herself in on an unreal related charge. November 29th, 2021, Scotts Township, Pennsylvania. The headline reads, fire erupts at a meat processing facility in Lackawanna County. No further details. December 13th, 2021, San Antonio, Texas, $100,000 of fire damage occurred to a food processing plant where a cooler had caught fire. So now we're getting into 2022, January 14th, Lecomte, Louisiana. A fire started at the Cargill Neutrina feed mill in Louisiana and burned for 12 hours. Reports of explosions seen and heard. January 31st, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. A fire tore through a fertilizer plant on the night of January 31st and continued into the next day, forcing thousands living near the plant to evacuate their homes and a university to cancel classes. Every household within a one-mile radius was asked to evacuate because of the high chance of explosion. More than 6,500 residents were in the evacuation radius. All right, now here is where it gets interesting. If you look at the data starting in February 2022, 
you're going to start to notice a trend of these fires occurring more and more frequently, which is why I wanted to lay all this out on a timeline anyway. On February 3rd, Mouston, Wisconsin. Wisconsin River Meats Warehouse was engulfed in fire, the old portion of the building a total loss. No details on how the fire was started. February 16th, Claypool, Indiana. The LDC said that a fire had broken out at the largest U.S. soybean processing and biodiesel plant. The cause of the fire was cited as undetermined. February 22nd, Hermiston, Oregon. A major explosion at a potato chip factory in Northwest Oregon resulted in six injuries, and they reported that it could hurt the supply of chips to the West Coast. Local news reports that a portable natural gas boiler exploded, causing a dramatic fire. And local firefighters said that it was the largest blaze in that area that they'd seen in a decade. March 17th, Jonesboro, Arkansas. A Hot Pockets and frozen food Nestle plant was shut down after a fire broke out in the afternoon. Firemen battled it all night, but eventually abandoned the fight because of structural concern. March 18th, Plainfield, Indiana. I wanted to include this in here too, like I've included fertilizer factory stories as well, because it all seems related. So this was a major fire at a Walmart distribution center, and inside were a variety of items, food, clothing, electronics, you know. This was such a tremendous fire that burned for days, and no one knows what caused it. 200 firefighters worked together to put it out, and these were firefighters from 30 surrounding agencies that responded to this fire. March 24th, Belfast, Maine. It took firefighters from 10 surrounding communities to control the blaze that took over the McCrum potato processing plant. April 13th, Conway, New Hampshire. Firefighters battled a fire at East Conway Beef and Pork for 16 hours, managed to rescue the cattle even though the meat market was destroyed. April 19th, this is another one in Oregon at the headquarters of Azure Standard, the nation's premier independent distributor of organic and healthy food. It was destroyed by fire overnight. There were no injuries. The cause of the fire is unknown. April 20th, Leody, Kansas. The Nutrient Agricultural Solutions Fertilizer Plant caught fire. No further details. April 21st, Covington, Georgia. A plane crashed near the General Mills plant, which, you know, makes cereal. It's a global food company. There were no survivors of this plane crash. Um, Not a lot of details are known about what happened. So that concludes the timeline. You know, I'm always interested to hear your thoughts on this. I do have some lingering questions here, which led me to running a couple of searches to compare the number of plant fires, food plant fires year to year to see if this past year had an unusual amount or not. You know, like, are we focusing on this just because people are tweeting it? Are we focused? It was on Tucker Carlson. This question was brought up and I wanted to know year to year, like what it looked like. How many food plants in the United States burn down year to year? Is this an anomaly? So in 2019, this is our sample year in the United States, it would appear that there was a major fire at Newlywed Foods Factory in Chicago in April and one at a Kansas Tyson Foods beef plant in August. So two food plant fires that are coming up in the search for 2019. So let's compare 2019 to this past year, not counting the fertilizer fires and the Walmart distribution center fire. On our timeline we just went over, I have listed 18 incidents of food plants on fire from January 2021 to April 21st, 2022 in this video. 
So let's go back to what I said in the beginning. We've got all these factors at play to cause food shortages and increased prices. So are we witnessing total happenstance in coincidence or is it intentional? Are they trying to take down our food supply? Are they trying to sabotage our, our supply chain? And by they, who do we mean? The enemy from within or an enemy of a foreign variety? Listen, I don't claim to know all the answers, but I do see patterns. I can draw conclusions from data. And this whole thing really reminds me of Notre Dame, you know, the Notre Dame fire incident, which I covered on my channel years ago, when the church burned for nine hours and no cause was ever specified. But in reality, hundreds of other French churches had been attacked for the past few years in deliberate attacks, but hadn't drawn any attention. And I mean, those were churches, those were cultural factories, not food factories. But it seemed apparent to me that France needed to, I don't know, identify who was attacking, what their motives were, and then act on that information. But to my knowledge, they didn't. And that, that inaction is just so loud. And that's the same right here. Same for these food plants. Bill Gates is buying up all the farmland. The World Economic Forum's announcements for their 10-year outlook with the Great Reset saying we will all own nothing and be happy that will eat bugs. BlackRock buying up all the real estate so we have a nation of renters. World leaders coming out saying there will be food shortages as war continues. I mean, it would have to be a tremendous coincidence for all of this to be happening at once. For me, for me, it's clear as day what's happening. But what do you think, internet friends? You know, I always look forward to reading your comments. Thank you so much for watching, subscribing, and supporting my channel on Patreon. Bye.